You're now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's time to get embarrassed with us. Good afternoon, Bushwick and beyond. This is the time capsule of old audio from your yesteryears, only on Radio Free Brooklyn every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4 p.m. It's called Lost and Rewound, and I am Alan. I will be here for the hour with my friend and cohort, as always, Will Hasty, and our guest this week is Kelly Bachman. Before we begin the show, I just wanted to remind everyone, or one person who's listening, hey, you, <laughs> over there, yeah, in the corner, turn around. You have the ability to listen to me yammer on with all of our guests here on the RFB app. You could download that for the iPhone or the Android. I hear that that's what they call them these days. Uh, go to the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android and download the Radio Free Brooklyn app. It won't take up much room in your device, your mobile device, be it a phone or tablet. And also not going to take up too much of your time because uh, it's going to only be sent to you once a month is the Radio Free Brooklyn newsletter. Stay up to date with new programming, upcoming RFB events, interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers on RFB swag, and much, much more. We are dedicated to a spam-free world, so sign up for the newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org newsletter. And finally, if you want to submit anything to the show and learn more about what Lost and Rewound is all about, email the show directly at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We'll get more into the other stuff later. But in the meantime, let us begin on this journey. It's a Thursday afternoon. Wake up. It's 3 p.m. Know, on the buddy. East Coast. I know. The, I don't know what's happening. The midday crash is just, it's <laughs> its hit me hard, man. But I have to say, it's so lovely to be back. Glad to have you back, Will. We have Kelly Bachman here with us. She is a the amazing film- Kelly Bachman. She is a filmmaker and comedian hailing from Greensboro, North Carolina. She has a live stream sketch variety show called Sofa Kingdom, and she just recently... Uh, actually, last year, hosted a show at Caveat called Rape Jokes for Survivors. You may have also seen her film Boobs premiere at the L.A. Shorts International Film Festival Boobs. in 2017. Now she's here in the rec room with us this week to talk about everything that I just rattled off weirdly and much, much more, <laughs> including including the band that she just started. What's up, Kelly? Apparently today, hey. yes? Yeah, well, I, we just had our, our second practice, which was really like our first practice with a full setup of a drum kit and uh electric guitar and everything so yes. how many pieces is the band four whoa yeah proper band yeah all right well then yeah we're excited it's been a big year for me i guess i just started doing stand-up in the last year just started doing improv and now i'm like starting a band so i'm transitioning from 
filmmaker to a lot of other things. It seems like you probably start a lot of projects, new uh, new projects rather often. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always got a new idea that I'm starting. I'm pretty good about actually finishing my projects, but <laughs> I definitely like have like a lot on the burner. Do you find that it's just another set of tools to add into your toolkit, or are you finding yourself like genuinely transitioning and thinking of yourself now as more of a performer than a filmmaker slash writer? Well, I think I'm a writer first and foremost. I think I've always been a writer, and I'm finding different mediums to move my writing. Like uh, stand-up is a great way to exercise my writing because you can test the writing every day and and can have people saying like, ha-ha, good writing or like bad writing, whereas usually I have screenplays sitting on my computer for years on end without getting any feedback and then uh with the the band i write poetry i write stories and again like poems can sit on your computer for years on end without being seen Mm -hmm. and music is a cool way to say like here's my poem and like yeah i'm sharing it with this band and we're singing lyrics that i wrote so it's like really all me being a writer and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm sort of becoming more comfortable i guess with like allowing myself to do other types of art that i don't necessarily identify as my skills like i don't i'm not a good singer i don't feel like i'm a good singer but i'm willing to sing my lyrics (laughs) because they're my lyrics like and similarly like i'm gonna perform my writing because i want my writing to be performed. What kind of music did you listen to in your bedroom when you were growing up? I was really into like, I guess you could say like emo, but not like emo, like what you're thinking of when I say emo necessarily. So, like not yeah, like not pads. like guitar swinging. Yeah. I feel like I was like very into like Elliot Smith, Bright Eyes. Then, but before that, I was into Weezer. Yes, I was, I was just like, waiting for it. I'm sorry, I was just waiting for it. But like, also, I remember I was really Weezer into like excitement. Modest Mouse yep. and The Strokes growing yeah. up because I've been revisiting stuff from my childhood a lot lately, which is sort of what got me thinking I should try to write music i think i'm bad at it like i think i'm bad at guitar yeah. i think i'm a bad singer and then i re-listened to a lot of the music i loved growing up like elliot smith love him but like he doesn't it's not because he has a great voice it's not because he's like yeah. killing he, he creates it. really good he's pop like melodies a beautiful lyricist great yeah. stories he tells great stories and it's and that's always what's attracted me to music more than anything did you learn how to play an instrument if it was a guitar or otherwise when you were younger i started to i really wanted to start a band when i was a, a kid and my sister and i um older or younger my older sister okay, and okay. I tried to to start a band. Like I'm doing air quotes when I say that. It's like <laughs> we wrote a song that we were very proud of, which I still remember. Please, it was say like any the, line of it, it right was, now. I, the main part it went. I thought I saw you laugh today. I thought I saw you <laughs> smile. But when I walked in the room, you were in denial. But the first time in a long time was the last time that you smiled. Yes, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and we Dude, wrote it. Oh my god. <laughs> We were in elementary school and we both had friends that had rejected us for like new friend groups. Oh, man. And so we wrote this song like about how we felt betrayed. And it was also kind of based on an episode of The Weekenders, which was a cartoon on Saturday morning. 
And what was the oh my god, weekenders love Jesus. What? This is like yeah. that is well, hitting so you are hitting so much of my childhood. I'm there sorry. was an episode of the Weekenders in which a character gets a new pairs of shoes and then he stops hanging out with his weekender okay. crew and starts hanging out with the kids with cool shoes who oh hang out by the God. tree. Oh my God, yeah. You've changed and your identity. So You're cool enough to be different. That's what inspired the next verse, which is... Uh, you're chilling with the cool kids now. I honestly don't know how. You can take five years of friendship, flush it down the toilet for an instant streak of popularity. Just like that. I'm, uh, I'm speechless. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You've just described the last five years of this show in, in summation. No, no, we are maybe, in summary. we are maybe five minutes in. You know what I mean? Like that's, well, that's wonderful. We, I ended up starting another band with my sixth grade best friend. We oh, yeah. called our band Crash and Burn. Okay. And we wrote a song called Love is in the Air, but I'm not breathing. <laughs> Love is in the air, but I'm not breathing. No, it was like screamo. Was yeah, exactly. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It was like, love is in the air, but I'm not breathing. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so you, much fun! You grew up in Greensboro. There must have been a pretty tight college uh, well, music scene. Uh, ben Folds is from Greensboro. Is he? That's right, Mister Ben Folds. Five. I didn't know it was yeah. from Greensboro specifically. I didn't know North Carolina. My God, I saw Ben Folds when I was in high school. I wouldn't say it was like peak Ben Folds. He was already doing his it new wasn't thing like while the albums were coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Ben like... Folds Five had kind of folded, I think. Yeah. If you it, was just, it, was, it was just Ben Folds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My high school boyfriend was really into Ben Folds and he wanted to go and I enjoyed the concert. My high school boyfriend, I remember thinking like he's really good at music. He's really talented. That was sort of the beginning of the, those years of being like, oh, I'm not like good at this. I should find what I'm good at, which I decided I was a good writer and that I'd find a way to like make money writing. And I sort of started to shift away from this goofy kid who'd be like screaming songs. Now I'm a comedian, but that's pretty new. When I was a kid, I was really into comedy, like performing, writing sketches and performing them in my house, doing like what were basically stand-up sets that I would write. And I wanted to like perform at the talent show. I was always like running around with a camera or like just doing something goofy. There was like a time in my teen years through like, early 20s of mm. like me not identifying as a performer at all but it's actually pretty recently i've looked back into what i was into as a kid mm. like the performative nature of my childhood and like that how excited that made me and now i've been leaning back into it and like pulling all that stuff back out like doing music nice. now yeah. doing comedy now like, bring back you, all your secret weapons in your middle school years you don't feel the pressure to be good and so, therefore, it, all these things seem like possibilities because you can rise into them. And even if you're not great at them at the time, you can become good at them. Yeah. Whereas in high school, everybody's getting specialized. And the hilarity or the irony is that you probably weren't that much better at all than you were in middle school. Right. I definitely, as a kid, I was just doing whatever was fun. Like, right. I, I just wanted to have fun. And, and I thought it was fun to play pretend. It was fun to be funny. It was fun to sing. And... And I think you hit a certain age where you're in a sensitive place when somebody might say like, oh, you're not good at that. And you're just like, <gasps> did, you're but, right. But like, didn't, but yeah, did, you're, that person said I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. Like, when, but, yeah. but, but there must have been at some point then, Kelly, that uh, those whom you were going to school with and just knew you around uh, in your inner circles knew that you were a performer. 
or knew that you were a writer. Like you were synonymized with certain attributes. Or at the very least synonymized with creativity. Well, I was always thought of at school as very much like the bookworm, like the, the smart kid in the class. And I was actually pretty shy at school. I'd always have like a best friend, like one main friend, only friend. <laughs> like I would have like a friend who friend she and I, she and I would always like whoever she was at the time. It was mainly like one girl, Bailey. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Bailey would be the only person like tuning in if I like <laughs> if I t- like told friends to listen to this because she's still my ride or die. That's but awesome. She and I, in the comfort of my home, would kind of go nuts and do whatever we wanted to do we had our own radio show that we would put on where i would Mm do impersonations of delilah and she would be the guest no way and um we would do this show where every time someone asked for a song uh to speak to their personal problem we would just put on the same jaw roll song over and over (laughs) which one which one it was um i'm What's it called? I'm real. I'm real with J Lo. I'm real with J Lo. Yeah. We just kept putting that song on. I'm real. And we had guests would call in and be like, "My wife is leaving me." Blah blah. And I'd be like, "I have a song for you." Right now. And then we like cut to "I'm Real" by Ja Rule. Oh my god, so good. But that and that was us when we were like nine years old. Like we were just like perfect, so goofy. Yeah. It's very recent that I've been accepting myself as a performer at all before the last couple of years or even the last year i always thought i had missed my chance like i didn't go to an arts college when i was in high school we didn't have school plays like i always felt like i had missed the boat to be any kind of actor or any kind of performer at all and so i resigned to thinking of myself as a writer and i would write for other performers and i would refuse to get in front of the camera and if i would direct something and someone said, an actor can't come today and, you know, you fit the description. Kelly, why don't you just jump in front of the camera? I'd like be like, no, no way. Like, we'll find someone else. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to ruin my own film. No. Yeah. And like, because I thought. No, I just ruined it. Like, not even as a last resort. Even, it, huh? No, yeah. I refused. Last summer, I read the book The Artist's Way, which is a self-help <sighs> book for artists. And with I read it with a bunch of comics, actually. I uh, read it. I did like book a book club, club oh, with, nice. with stand-up comics. That's so That's awesome. awesome. And yeah. so I was like the one non-comic in the group, or there was there were two of us, but page one of the artist way says, are you a shadow artist? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's like a shadow artist, someone who surrounds himself with artists that they want to be. And I'm like literally in a room of stand-up comics. Yeah. Everyone's just looking at me like, tell me. Because <laughs> um, like, people have always like conversationally, the, I am that person where people will say like, are you a comic? You yeah. must be. Like you're doing a bit right now. And mm. I'm like, no, no, I've never. That's I would never, never get on Yeah, like, like when and, you're in a room. With, sorry, excuse me. When no. you're in a room with comedians, I imagine like there's always that wonderment if there's ever anybody who's still on like game or if they're like they're always continuing to be mm. yeah. in character or something all t- at all times. Yeah. My whole life, people have always like they're like you're doing a bit right now like you wrote this right and you're performing it for us and i'm like no this is i'm, I'm just talking to you and like but i always oh God, Kelly. i i've always been that that person we're just in denial and the i think the final straw was right before i did the artist way i had been dating a comic for like a year and i really felt myself kind of living vicariously through him helping him with his sketches and i would always like 
direct his sketches and and but then I'd end up kind of co-writing or or helping him with his jokes and I loved doing that and so when we broke up it was like there was this void that I like I wasn't getting to do that with him anymore and I felt this hunger so I found myself making a documentary about comics like I was doing every like oh god dancing around it in every possible way anything to get myself closer to these people was really what I was trying to do but I didn't know that on the surface and so when I did the artist way and it was like are you surrounding yourself with the kind of artist you want to be like in any way you can, whether it's dating them or like doing a project adjacent no. to them? No. Oh my God, yes. And I was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went to an open mic and then it kind of exploded out of me after that. Where'd you go with that open mic? Well, I very purposefully went to the mic that I knew no one would find me because I know a lot of comics. Okay. Was it- Which one? Where? I'm thinking I did the pit attic first. Nice. And yeah. then I did laughing Buddha. I had this fear that I was going to get caught there, like <laughs> get found out yeah. by, by people who knew my ex-boyfriend or like who knew me as a filmmaker or who knew me as this documentarian making a documentary about them and be like, oh, what's Kelly doing here? She's not a comic, which is, of course, not what happened at all. When I finally ran into yeah. people, like actually the first person I ran into was very like appropriately my ex-boyfriend. He was the first person in front of the door and the only empty chair was next to him. And he was just like, here it is waiting for you. Like, <laughs> And of course, he was super encouraging. Everyone was like, yeah, of course you're doing this. We always said you should do this. Like, no, one, <laughs> no one was what? like, what the fuck is Kelly doing here? She's a filmmaker. <laughs> like, Right. It, they were like, yeah, of course. You've always helped write these sketches. Like, you're, but that's you're such a classic. Person. That's such a classic journey, right? Like yeah. going from like, I figured out, okay, I'm just approaching it a little bit more, but I know everybody's going to judge me. Okay, I'm just sort of doing it. And I know everybody's going to judge me. And then nobody judges you. And it's... you actually find out that you've had a hard in it the entire time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like one of those uh, components of what makes imposter syndrome so rampant, uh, yeah. especially, I think, really, I mean, with creative people, um, I think mostly. I know that I've kind of teetered away from it in times. I directed and produced a show for the first time last year, and, uh, you know, it was a, a huge undertaking. And so do I consider myself a director or a producer, or was it just something that I directed and produced? Yeah. I, I mean, today, I definitely, I had to remind myself, because I've been through this with other art forms, today was the first time I went to this uh, rehearsal space to practice with my uh, my band. band. <laughs> Can you tell us and the name? Yeah, our seriously. Ba- our band is called Boys Drool. Yes. Boys Drool! Such a good and, name, And, like, we're all walking in there, like, laughing and being like, oh, we're a band, like, because we, like, we're all comedians, and we feel yeah. like we don't belong and we're like we're not good at instruments <laughs> like we feel like we have to like <laughs> say something like that every few seconds like we don't know what we're doing but like we are have just as right as anybody to pick up an instrument and make noise what were your comedic influences growing up well i was really into snl as a kid i religiously watched religious can i ask what era i was super into uh the dana carvey cast yeah mike myers and chris farley and yeah all that yeah um and chris farley was my favorite did you watch it alone or did you watch it with family well my dad uh should have been jim carrey like my he should have been jim really carrey. wait is he, well, is dad, he a professional comedian or <laughs> no, you're just saying in general a, my dad is a fabric salesman but he, he <laughs> we always like joke that like Jim Carrey and Robin Williams stole his act because wow. like, my dad's like the guy who's oh, wow. like has like a million faces and voices and like is the funniest person I know. I'm not like I'm trying to like live his life for him. <laughs> no, but I'm just like I I like 
feel like he should be should have been doing what I'm now doing and would have been better at it. When I was a kid, my dad and I would always write silly like fake jingles together. And he and I always watched SNL. And my dad was also really into Monty Python. So we watched yes. that a lot. Mm, that and my dad and I were always singing like the Lumberjack song. We wrote our own songs and like our own like fake commercials like my dad like made pea soup and it made everyone in my family poop and <laughs> and we would just go like oh john's pea soup <laughs> and <they're> like, john's <laughs> pea soup it'll make you poop yeah and, or we like we would go to this diner called gabby's where it was always smoky like cause a lot of people smoke there and we would always yeah. walk in and just go like gabby's the smoky place (laughs) but we like did that everywhere we went like my dad and i and so i always grew up like doing weird voices with him and like joking around and and making up silly songs so it like played into my own like play with other kids and your dad is still in your life oh yeah my dad is alive (laughs) does he does he uh soak in a lot of your work and give you his two cents i suppose he occasionally sends me like a really weird idea for like a show I should do or like a my dad oh. is like very you know he's like very uh specific sense of humor that's like <laughs> no Okay, I don't your dad like, sounds amazing. I don't he, know. He why rules. He rules. But like for example as a kid I asked my dad what I should do a school project on and he like <laughs> got me to do a project on Eugene Debs. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Ran as a socialist in the early 1900s. And like, I did an entire, I did a year long project in seventh grade on Eugene Debs. A year long? It was, we got to pick one person and do a bunch of different projects on them for the whole year. Interesting. And I did it all on Eugene Debs because I like worshipped my dad and just did whatever he said. That's amazing. And so I like learned a lot about the Wobblies and like the the Woolies (laughs) or or whatever they're called, the <laughs> Railroad Union uh, Workers Revolution Party. God. That's, that's <laughs> that is, amazing. I, I, like, he would like send me a Eugene Debs joke today. Like are that's you ser- like what's waiting for me. That's in my feed with my dad. Did he have the type of experience where you were like either in school or at home? He would call you up in the middle of the night or send you an email in the middle of the night, being like, "Hey, here's this really awesome idea," and you would respond like. That kind of sucks, Dad. And he'd be like, "All right, I'll call you back in twenty minutes." You know what I mean? Yeah, was that, was that very, the kind of relationship? He, he'll we're kind about? of send me like it doesn't happen a lot, but occasionally he'll send me something that's just like I could try to find an example. But I've learned from experience of growing up, like quoting my dad, thinking he's like because oh, I think my dad's awesome. the funniest person in the world. But I'll like I would go to school and like quote him, and mm. everyone would be like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> Like no, no, you had to be at home. My dad's my dad rules. Like if you had heard my dad say that, like sure, Kelly. But he did he did drop in and surprise me. So I have I've only been doing stand up, yeah, not very long, and so most of my family hasn't seen me. And my dad lives in North Carolina, and I was at a show at like 10 p.m. at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg. Like I didn't expect anyone to come. I just Mm -hmm. like posted about it in my Instagram story. Yeah. And my dad was there. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I'm here for the show. Like, he showed up in his, like, classic look, which is a cowboy hat, a graphic t-shirt oh with a political god. joke on it, and Doc Martens with shorts. Oh, yeah. my god. He showed up and was just like, yeah, I'm here for the show. Please and tell me he's got fit legs. Please tell me he's got really fit legs. Huh? Like, is he... Like, just... Why does he have to have fit legs? <laughs> shorts? Doc Martens and a cowboy hat. Like no, that is that is one of the most striking is, uh, images. Is my dad is he's a big guy. Yeah, uh, he's not like you know. I'm not saying if he's listening, he's not overweight. <laughs> but he, uh, 
We're sorry, Mr. Bogman, for guy. any emotional experiences. He does have hairy legs. Yeah. Um, and, and wears tall socks with his Doc Martin boots. He had style. For a he second, has, he has that, style. For he a second, style. I just had the image of like this crazy fit, like older dude standing there with a cowboy hat. A, a, like, I mean, a he print. was extremely fit when I was a little kid. He really intimidated people. Like yeah. if he complained at a restaurant, they would just give us everything for free. He had a very serial oh, nice. killer look to him. Interesting. Yeah. I love the description being serial killer look. Well, because we... Serial killer chic. We, were, we lived in a military town, and my dad oh, no would way. kind of, like, fit in with them. He wasn't... We weren't military, but he, you like, would kind rat. of fit in with them. Like, he would get, like, a, a military haircut, and yeah, he was, like, really cut. strong, and, and he would be friends with army guys, and he'd run with them. So nice. he was, like, really... Holy he, shit, he if looked, he's running with them, he's fit as fuck. He looked the part. Like, growing up, he was very a very buff guy. Now he's, like, kind of a hippie... Stoner guy, like that's more of his look. That's that is a perfect. Uh, your dad uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, everything about that's your like, dad. That's a good dad awesome. in twenty nineteen. <laughs> our dads need to be all of that and more yes. for twenty nineteen. Before we get to break, you did this thing last year at Caveat, which is really great. And uh, I wonder if Rape Jokes for Survivors is uh, in any kind of capacity with the people you collaborate with on that project, seeing uh, any other uh, resurgence anytime in the near future. Well, it's definitely something I want to grow. So this was a show that we did last April. It was called Rape Jokes by Survivors. It was right after the, the Oh, meet, sorry. Meet. I, I said four. No. no. Oh, I, I wasn't trying to correct you. I was just like trying to re- No, it's an accurate title. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's Rape Jokes by Survivors. By survivors yeah. And mm-hmm. it was a, um, a show at Caveat featuring, I think, around 13 women who identify as survivors of sexual assault telling jokes about their experiences and it ended up selling out and was this kind of huge show uh, that seemed to be a cathartic experience for a lot of people and I had put on the show originally because I was making a documentary about these women and I wanted to showcase it, uh, have a showcase of their jokes that I could include in the documentary but it's kind of grown bigger than that where now I'm just, I can't really say too much about it but I'm just hoping it will become a bigger movement and as it shows yeah was the what what drove you and what motivated you to make this documentary in the first place did you have are you just drawn to the subject matter because of its clear deeper meaning or was there there anything else involved um the me too movement definitely hit pretty much every woman i know pretty hard Mm. uh it's just like something that i think that's been present in every woman's life her whole life yeah and and, you know then all of a sudden it was uh in the public sphere everybody it's like water cooler talk at work or like at an open mic and then you have comedians feeling like they need to weigh in on the topic because it's in the zeitgeist so you go to an open mic and you hear like every white guy comedian getting up and making a terrible joke about (laughs) me too and then you like hear dave Chappelle making a joke about me too or or like whatever other big comedian that you respect and the jokes are just like not the right joke. They're not like what we need to hear right now. And yeah. we do need to hear comedians make jokes about like whatever is in the news. But like I was like, come on, these aren't the people that need to be telling the jokes. Right. Like we need to hear from survivors. As a woman, I know so many survivors. So I'm thinking to myself, like, there's gotta be comedians who are survivors who want to tell the jokes that I need to hear right now because like what I'm hearing is not productive. You know, if you read any article about that show you'll like i'm a survivor myself and it's a public thing so i don't mind mentioning it but i really felt like as someone who loves comedy at the time just even identifying as a comedy fan i wanted to hear a good joke about 
what I was experiencing. It's about time. And so I yeah, found I found these women and they were all hilarious and put on the show and through interviewing them and working with them, I think that was probably also like the big final push in seeing myself in them. I was like, oh, I want to be on that stage. Like I'm producing this huge show and I, I'm not in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. And you're like, and this hasn't affected me personally at all. Oh, wait, yeah, it has. Okay. But the fact that you're curating that, the fact that you are responsible for overseeing in this respect, the creation of this, the culmination of this. And uh, I imagine that there's no one stopping anybody from revitalizing this and making a new night and doing it at uh, this or another venue. Right. So there's definitely since then, um, and I'm not saying it's because of my show or I think probably there was an idea cloud that came out of Me Too mm. where there have been some other shows yep. that, that touch on the same themes. Hands Made Tale Live is a perfect example yeah. of and, um, and definitely like what Kelsey Kane is doing right now yeah. with uh, Penis CK. Yes, yes. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on right now. We got to take a quick break. And when we return, we have more from Kelly Bachman of the lighter hearted variety uh dating back to when kelly was but a babe but a small child performing babe and i for one i'm really excited for what we are about to release to you the listener this is lost and rewound on radio free brooklyn stick around Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on the air, so please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to the show. Thanks again for joining us on this hour of Lost and Rewound of uh, which is uh, coming to you from the rec room on this gorgeous April Thursday. Yes. And if you want to uh, listen to any of our past episodes to hear what other episodes might have sounded like, even before we got to the rec room, because this is really a new development, uh, we <laughs> changed studios probably about three times over the past almost three years on Radio Free Brooklyn. And our episodes can be heard on SoundCloud, Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, just to name a number of them all the services <laughs> but uh recently we uh just started putting our episodes up on megaphone if you go to our profile page on radio free brooklyn's website that's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash lar you could actually see there by the bottom all the episodes like they're all right there and you can just play instantaneously it's a very good setup and uh, otherwise yes download at all other relevant platforms we're here this week joined by the one and only uh, new member of girls drool her name is <laughs> kelly bachman she's about to provide to us some old clips from childhood from the home movies category file under is that right mm -hmm. do you remember when you guys got a video camera 
we always had one. You from um, as early as you can a, remember. From is this from, a camcorder like, or is this a like a Super Eight or something? It's a, a camcorder, and like there are videos for me like less than one years old. So, okay, like, my wow. parents were always walking around. They were huge documentarians of our family events. They yes. were they raised a filmmaker, so by virtue of uh, the you know you being a filmmaker, it only makes sense that you had video cameras in the house so you could make these movies yeah i didn't run around that much with a video camera growing up but me and my sisters were always putting on plays and like um sorry you said sisters you had multiple sisters yeah it sounded like you only had one older sister oh i have i have four sisters what okay you got a family all right wait so how many wait so where are you where do you fall in that in that hierarchy i identify as middle child but i'm not technically the middle child that's I'm, fair. I'm the second oldest. Okay. But, oh wow. But really, like the, I always felt like between my oldest sister and like the sister right below me, like we mm-hmm. were all kind of close in age, where it was like the three of us had that dynamic. Yeah. The oldest, middle, youngest, and then the next one is significantly younger than us, and the next one is like significantly significantly. How younger than us. old is your youngest sibling? My oldest sibling right now is like ooh, eleven or something like that. Ten. <laughs> That's the youngest sibling is eleven. Yeah. yeah. So oh, she's, you said uh, oldest. She's Sorry. like almost like psychologically is like an only child. That wow. that sounds about right. Does she have that sense of like you're all having her back, or or you all, or she has that? Yeah, sort but of we're all so much protection. older than her that like we're all gonna be nice to her. Like we're not like growing <laughs> right up fighting with her. The yeah. baby of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were uh, close with yeah. your older sibling. Uh, I mean, for the years that these clips were happening you had already i guess had a uh, one sibling below you so you were the middle child for how long in your life yes so the the sibling below me you'll see me interacting the most in this of definitely peak me thinking she's like an annoying little sister <laughs> <laughs> and um then we had a baby sister at that point who's was like two at the time okay so she was again was like super cute baby like no mm. one's fighting with her this is entitled Kelly Cam. What year was this made? I'm 100% sure that it was 2001. <laughs> what you're about to hear. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, that will make itself evident. Let's uh, take a listen. You are watching the Kelly Cam. So see where the Kelly Cam takes you now. Okay. Now you're watching Kelly Cam. We switched. Oh, I did that. to go on with the life of Kelly Bachman on Christmas. Let's get back to, let's get back to the camera. No, you're on the seeing side. I'm sitting here. Sorry, Courtney. Let's get back to I'm Kelly's sister. What will Kelly Cam do next? 
Who knows? I mean, that is what like, indeed will the Kelly Cam do next? Indeed, oh my! Okay, is that not the most? That's us. What two in, in, in two points? That is one the most quintessential. Like, here's a family home movie ever, and also the whole concept that, like, oh my god, you guys had a really fun, clearly rolling family. Like when you said, I think of her as an annoying sister. I thought you guys were going to bicker. I thought you guys were going to do something, and like that was really like she. You played along with her. You totally included her. Oh yeah, I mean, we were always arguing but we were always playing like you know we're always yeah. hanging out together we were all very close in age and we were always kind of rolling around and like i said put on plays and like yeah wow. so it, the things that stand out for me is that you're extremely uh on point narrator yes there's there's that <laughs> that i really i really appreciate She's that a lot t- you are terrifyingly self-aware like, yeah. how old are you in that in that clip i want to say i'm 10 the fact that you uh were very clear to uh you know document what rooms you were going into just so that <laughs> we need to know what bathrooms look like i mean it was beautiful it was perfect and I, then yeah i had to cut it short because i go into every room in my house oh god i had to cut this down because there's like a 30 minute video of me going into every single room in my house and just being like here's kelly cam <laughs> in the bedroom oh no one's in here if only they were that might be interesting <laughs> <laughs> second thing i noticed uh there was video games uh do y'all play video games Street a lot player. oh yeah we're, that we're, wasn't that was that we were was, playing tekken 3 you were playing tekken yes 3. oh yeah. my god which is legit and we were very into tekken actually all of my sisters in the last six months have experienced we're not like gamers now but we all i guess have muscle memory for tekken that's amazing and we all in the last six months have dated a man who is like really into video games okay who has like brought us to some space where they're like are trying to flex on us by playing video games for some reason and like that is the, and is, you, is, please is, tell me you totaled them on tekken and please like, tell me you totaled them on tekken separately have destroyed these men yes! at tekken. you should call it oh, you should be awesome. called the joystick luck club and like none of us did this like we didn't talk about it before for me it was this guy like he texted me and he said he's really into games and he's like we're gonna go to this arcade on a date which i'm fine with and i'm mm. like and i said do they have tekken just because like that's a game i remember and he said yeah they do and he's like but i warn you i'm really good at fighting games yes. and he's like oh, and, I, and i'm not gonna hold back yeah and i was like Definitely. oh okay like, challenge I, accepted i didn't know i was gonna win like i haven't played since i was like 10 yeah so, but when we got in there when i say i didn't just crush him like I, first, I crushed him at one character. <laughs> then I crushed him at all of the characters. And then he played every character trying to beat me at every character. Lost, lost, and he lost, lost, lost. Every single time. Oh, Kelly, that is one of the best date stories I've heard in a long time. But it- my sister told me she had the same thing happen to her a couple weeks ago. A guy took her to a convention for gaming. Yeah. And again, she swept the floor with him at Tekken. My, Love it. And it happened to my other sister, too. We, we're going to continue playing this. Uh, it seems like, uh, just to recap, this is taking place on Christmas. Is that right? This is Christmas of what I believe is 2001. 2001. Okay. Let's continue on and see what uh, holiday madness we can uncover. Let's go to Tech downstairs. <laughs> Kelly Cam takes a peek at the boat. Without them looking. Wait, were they talking? They were talking about nine eleven at the dining room table. 
I mean, I heard every was, plane was. I heard, and every plane was. You, yeah. So, you said that you said that uh, you, uh, you know, we were catching everybody like sitting around, very somber, like talking about it. Yeah. So it was the year was two thousand one. It was Christmas, uh-huh. so that was a couple months after nine eleven. So the adults in my family would yeah. be sitting down for the first time talking about this kind of stuff. Did you host a lot of family every holiday? Not always, but on Christmas, generally my Uncle Walter comes over who is pictured downstairs. Oh, yes. And my, my grandma and her partner, Joni, they're all actually Jewish, but they hang out with us hey. on Christmas. Hey, there family you go. bonding. And um, it seems like they're talking about 9-11 or at the very least airport security after 9-11 because my grandma would have flown in. And I'm just like, I literally just say, that's really sad. Now back to WWF. (laughs) (laughs) Back to WWF, which is like the most 2001 thing I could have said as a segue. Yeah. (laughs) Let's keep listening to hear what uh, happens when she goes up to the stairs. Kelly Cam, continue. Up to the stairs. Can you smell what? I have a lot of shows on. I have a lot of shows on the Kelly Cam channel, and this now I'm on the wrestling show. He has this little bone crunching movement. What? I always do that. Yeah. I always do the bone crunching movement. And Kelly knows how to do it, but she won't tell anybody how. I know how to crunch. I know how to crunch people's bones almost. I know how to crunch people's bones almost all the. It's just like where you grab them. Yeah, that's the bone crunching. I know how to make jeans. Ow! Stop doing that. I know how to make... Courtney Wash. I know how to make... Caillou. Snap bones. I know how to make... Yin or whatever his name is. Snap bones. I know how to make Cole. But Courtney Bachman is more than just temper problems and her. Have you seen Claire? There you have it. Proof. Oh, my God. Proof. They're crazy, I tell oh you. Oh, my God. So no, crazy. I'm not kidding. There's such a little microcosm of so many of the crazy families that I grew up with. Like, that seemed like, you guys seem awesome, and you seem fun. It was a big house. A lot of uh, family that's able to come and hang out for Christmas yeah. and play video games, and everyone's chill. I mean, that's the best. I think. Yeah, we had we had yeah. some good times. It's good sure. when, good when you have cousins that are all more or less around the same age as you. I think yeah. that helps. Also siblings. I think it's different. Like you, I mean, my sister and I kids, ha- you know, have a very close relationship. But then, you know, when it comes to hanging out with our cousins, uh, then, then there's more, and we're not accustomed to that. I mean, we're not friends over, but there's certainly a difference between seeing family and seeing friends because you don't see your family as True. often. Yeah. Well, did you have those cousins who were either older or closer to you in age who who you sort of like? Like I had, I had two cousins who I worshipped, and they were much older than me. They were se- they were seven and nine years older than me. And mm-hmm. so whenever they came over at Christmas, me and my little brother, we would all like 
you know, cuddle up and watch the Star Wars movies leading up to Christmas. Like we had those traditions of like, we are all going to be nerds together. You know, (laughs) was that we definitely got in a habit of like trying to watch like a whole show together, like pre binge watching, binge Mm -hmm. watching where we like like, would get like Veronica Mars on DVD and watch it all or like Buffy the Vampire Slayer on DVD. And um, I don't know. We were more into like more than anything playing games like when we were yeah. little kids it was really we were like very into spying as a group running around the house like trying to spy on the adults and yeah. then we were also really into um capture the flag and like big like competitive games that oh, where we would be God. like teams and we would split into to like the cliques in the family <laughs> of like me and my favorite cousins had a clique that we called the peppy club <laughs> and it was That's like funny. for only kids that like pepperoni like amazing like oh that. my god I'm, okay sorry didn't put that to, that's amazing plain didn't put and that peppy at all yeah that's and like amazing. and then of course like Courtney, the the one you saw, who's like getting in my face, she would be like, "I like pepperoni now," and be like, "That's not the rules of the club anymore." <laughs> I'd be like, "Actually, it's only for people who have butt chins." And oh. like, and then we became like the butt chin club. The and she'd damn be like, "I do have demotion. a butt chin. I have a butt chin." Be like, it's no, not butt chin don't. enough. It's not. If it doesn't wow. make a butt when you squeeze your chin, it's not a butt. <laughs> like. We and then That's she awesome. like would get a butt chin and then we'd be like, No, it's actually heart shaped butt club. You have to be able to when you sit on the trampoline and it's wet, it has to look like a heart. <laughs> 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 you just like come up with anything that would just like get her out of the club. I was yeah. yep. I was awful to her. But she was violent to me, which is why I justified <sighs> oh, my wow. like my on a day-to-day basis, she would like try to beat me up, and my other sisters oh, wow. would be with her. Mm. But when the cousins came into the mix, I had power of like the cousins, like like me. We had the pep. So crew. like I would manipulate the cousins against her. <laughs> what was the <laughs> situation involved with the Ben Franklin interview? That Ooh. is, I think, meet Kelly, the news reporter. Kelly, the news reporter, on her many channels. If yeah. you heard her, she has the wrestling channel. I had a channel that I referred to as Justice Files, which you <laughs> were hearing part of, where oh, well, that's, we, 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 it was we, investigative. Yeah. I think I had a school report on Ben Franklin that I used as an excuse to do this inter- <laughs> interview. We did a lot of plays. I wish we had filmed more of them. This was like, because it was for school, I think we had an excuse to film it. Mm-hmm. But usually we were just like, we would put on a bunch of strangely religious plays. Like we would pull from the Bible and mm. like make plays based on those characters. Boy, like, yeah. like, like make them, well, wait, like, like riff on them or like just do. Well, we would the... like do Bible stuff, but we would kind of make it our own. It wouldn't be like yeah. TCN type of stuff, like, or whatever the channel is called. Trin- it, Trinity Broadcasting. It'd be like the good the story of the Good Samaritan or something. Okay. Like some. Were you guys very religious? We grew up Catholic and we did go to Sunday school. Faith formation, they call it. Faith, Faith formation. formation. I think because that was probably our main exposure to plays. Like oh, we I were gotcha. all like hungry for, like because we would do plays at Sunday school for mm. the nativity and that kind of stuff. And I think we wanted to make more plays. It was kind of coming back to that like the hunger to do art and just sort of finding any kind of vessel when you're a kid that makes you like you're really into disney songs or like you're really into like whatever you can get your hands on that's what you have access to right 
Well, without further ado, we should definitely uh, hear how all of this uh, came into culmination with uh, this fantastic two-minute banger of an interview. Now on Kelly Con- TV. Conducted by 10-year-old ten, uh, Kelly Bachman, correct? Right. Cool. sweet wow that's really, that's really that was a cute, cute overload yeah. right there i mean it was already cute and then it just ended even cuter and now i am like it's like a care bear stare just like crapped into my brain and i'm feeling great <laughs> i feel like my facial expressions as the director of that interview yeah are exactly my express like i know exactly what i I don't remember that but yeah. i know exactly what i was thinking because i still make those faces yeah. <laughs> and i know that my sister was fucking up the lines because i'm like making the face that i still make at people when yeah. they when they are fucking up the lines in a scene oh that i god. wrote where i'm just oh like god. i'm doing this thing where i'm just like you know what it really reminds me of something that is of a more recent uh, made variety and all i could say kelly is is that zach galifianakis owes you like a million dollars just for stealing your idea because that is between two ferns without any of the ferns and all the awkwardness (laughs) and it's amazing but absolutely no shit you're a performer like that is that is somebody who like screams a personality you know what i mean it screams like a stage presence that is for the listeners at home i made there was a face at the end which my babysitter cheryl felt like she had to zoom in on (laughs) and um and it was me looking into the camera and making a face that said god she fucked this up (laughs) 
<laughs> literally kind of like a Michael Scott kind of situation <laughs> in the office. It was like this was a fuck up. So <laughs> everybody here acknowledges that that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning <laughs> like, course, meaning like, like the girl fucking up the line. But this yeah. was like classic kid me, where like my sisters would just be having a good time, and they're like, "We did great," and I would just be like, "No one got the lines right. <laughs> like, no one got the lines right. We need to do it again. Are you kidding me? Like, excuse me, we need to reshoot right now." Like, cause I, I saw myself as this, like, I wasn't at all. I was a goofy kid, but I remember thinking of myself as, like, a doll in a kid's body. Like, I was like, I'm smarter than everyone here. Like, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> They're all acting like kids. You also can't see this. My little sister is, like, the cutest child on the planet. She's got this blonde bowl cut and oh she has God. like the oh, cutest Jesus. little baby voice amazing and i couldn't stand how like she still laughs at me today because she would just come up to me like acting like a baby like because she was a baby yeah. and she would be like kelly can you help me with this and i'd be like you don't talk like that like, <laughs> can you act like an adult like you are smarter than this courtney <laughs> like, I would and just you were like, seven at the I time like, yep. we are two years apart and you can act smarter than that i believe in you like you know the answer to your own question just think about it like and that would be like our back and forth me, all give, the time. Please give me the <laughs> ratio of times. Kill, Kelly. Yeah, seriously, please give me the ratio of times that she ran <laughs> off crying. The one that like destroyed her the most was during church. She would be like, "I have to go to the bathroom." I'd be like, "You already went." God doesn't love when you do that. I'd be like, <laughs> "You, you will go to hell." <laughs> Wow. And I was just like this like oh intense, God. like serious person and she was being like a normal kid, be like, I wanna play my Game Boy and I'm like, You don't need to play your games right now. Like be an adult. Oh my God. This is uh this this <laughs> this segues well with the Sofa Kingdom because uh in the same kind of spirit that you were really kind of pulling the strings on your own variety program, kinda of like what this sort of feels like in some ways at, at, right. the, at the surface level. What is Sofa Kingdom uh exactly in that uh comparison? Comparison. The name Sofa Kingdom comes from my childhood. My oldest sister was getting me and my little sister to say, like, I'm Sofa Kingdom over and over again. And she had it straight <laughs> down. And it was like the classic thing where I figured it out right away. That totally was intentional. I figured it out right away. And I like knew what she said. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then my little sister like kept saying, like, so fucking dumb and i was like you know what you're saying like you know what you're saying oh my gosh she's acting like a baby again like i was like she's actually oh my and she started screaming it. and she's like i don't know what i'm saying i was like yes you do you know what you're saying stop saying it you know what you're saying you're gonna get us in trouble an and, and i was like and she just kept saying it and she probably really didn't know what it meant but i thought she did but the show which i work on is a sketch variety show that i film in a house and um in williamsburg right in williamsburg and the audience is in the basement but the sketches all take place throughout the house, like in the kitchen, in the living room, and we make it look like, like a home video. We, the DP, the camera moves. Crazy the, handheld. The camera moves up the stairs and then is in the living room where there's like a sketch in the living room. There's a sketch in the kitchen. There's a sketch in the bedroom. And it's all like roommates who live in the house. They're not really roommates, but um, it's all live streamed to the basement where the audience is watching on a TV oh, in the that's basement. Great. That's amazing. It's very inspired by like a kid's show, like it where, oh, okay. where the camera is like a participant in the show, like nice. on Mr. Rogers or blues clues where the host is interacting with the camera as if they're the audience and, yeah. and guiding them through and meeting all these different wacky characters. And when you're downstairs, 
you're at the live show and then you go upstairs you're like in a land of make-believe kind of so you're going to be able to if you're listening out there on and you have a facebook account uh or the, you, you guys have it probably public too so if you're not even if you're not on facebook you could still see it streaming on facebook live is that a monthly show it's right now it's every other month we do it because it is like we write an hour show yeah and we produce it every other month right now and we have a live musical guest as well you can see us in person at 181 jackson street in brooklyn off of the Graham l or you can stream us at facebook.com slash sofa kingdom tv or you can watch us on instagram tv at sofa kingdom variety how much is the ticket it is free but we accept donations yeah all right love it we got to wrap up in a little bit but before we do i wanted to just recap you have a podcast as well uh yourself called the american pod talk about that a little bit the american pod is a collaboration with davidson boswell and i he's a stand-up comic and we do a lot of characters based on podcast hosts so we parody um we parody The Daily. We parody... Uh, Hi, I'm Michael Barbara. Um, yes. Uh, we parody, who else? The uh, Pod Save America crew. We parody NPR. Like, whatever podcast you like, we are making fun of it. Okay. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that eventually, if we ever make it to uh, some kind of stratosphere, our show will eventually be... Uh, A joke. Ma- excuse me this is already is a joke this is the one time this deserved high five it already is a joke it'll just become even more it'll the snake eat its own tail eventually at some point find kelly on instagram at at kelly bachman all spelled out and also your website is kellymakesmovies.com yes and that is where you can learn about my movies my stand-up my sketch show, or maybe my band now. Eventually, yes. Went once, yes. Very It'll shortly, have to boys. Change it to drool. Kelly makes content in general. <laughs> Today, yeah, it's long. Today it's not Grammys. as sexy as Kelly makes movies, but it's still it's on point and exact accurate. Thank you so much, Kelly Bachman, for joining us this week on Lost and Rewound. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That will about do it for us this week. Join us next week for another edition from three to four p.m. Who knows what will occur? Who knows who will be here? It's always an exciting, unpredictable affair every week here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Take care, everybody. And we'll have you here listening to us next week on Radio Free Brooklyn. Lost and Rewound, signing out. feel sexy when you touch me there i feel sexy when i brush my hair i feel sexy with or without men i'm a hot girl you should be my friend i'm really talented i run my own scene my butt is cute in my bra is triple d i like my eyes and i like my movies i taste good because i drink a lot of smoothies my friends are cool and they're hot too you should take a picture we can pose as a group this song is about how i love myself not always happy but you can't tell now it's dance 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 i want to spin my man grab a partner and take their hand dance 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 Dance, 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 dance. I run my own shows, I write my own bits. Sometimes I let a fuck boy treat me like shit. That doesn't mean I don't love myself. <laughs> when I get famous, you can all go to hell. When I get famous, you can all go to hell. Yeah. When I get famous, you can all go to hell. <laughs> There's like a lot of that.